Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Let me talk to you about this story that I came across the other. Actually, it's a friend of mine, Scott Taylor, who's a family lawyer in British Columbia in Vancouver. Great guy. And he sent me the story and was going on vacation, so he, he couldn't join us. But the story is written by David Rudin. Um, and it's uh, in the Post um, and various newspapers and the Post Media. David, great story, man. I sent him an email, tried to get him on the show, but I guess he didn't receive it. I just sent it a couple of hours ago. Uh, David wrote, after three years, listen to this, folks. If you've ever had an experience in family court, have a listen. After three years in and out of court, two British Columbia parents were no longer the only ones who wanted to separate. The judge also wanted out. Provincial Court Judge Bryce A. Dyer ruled on June 14th that the pair would have to bring their custody disputes to another judge. Quote, the time has come for me to direct that I will not in future hear matters pertaining to these parties, he wrote, unless there is some emergent situation and no other judge is available. Prior to Dyer's judgment, the parents had, listen to these things, had variously asked him to determine the impact of co-sleeping with their child, schedule when the mother could call her daughter on FaceTime, decide where she would go to preschool, in, and order the father's brother to not be present when the mother picked her child up. The parents' protracted legal conflicts reflect the most adversarial aspects of family law, aspects that even some lawyers would gladly leave behind. Dyer, that's the judge, first heard from the parents, identified only by their initials in court documents in 2013, when he granted the bulk of custodial responsibilities for their daughter to the mother. The original custody agreement for the child, who is now approaching her fourth birthday, at her spending two afternoons per week with her father, as well as staying overnight on three of every four Saturdays, poor kid. Why can't parents just work it out? Continuing with the story, and dispensing with the editorial comment, the father has consistently sought more time with his child. In a June 2016 hearing, he cited a 2008 case in which a mother was accused of continuing to breastfeed her child in order to maintain custody. Although Dyer acknowledged that, quote, breastfeeding is now not really an event that must continue, end quote, he said he saw no indication of the mother using it as a, an impediment to increase in the father's parenting time. For her part, the mother accused her estranged partner of ignoring her schedule for their child's naps and FaceTime calls when he had custody. She also said that he sometimes exceeded their daughter's one-hour-per-day TV allocation. Here's the judge. I accept that it's important for a child to have a routine, but having one with the hope or wish that it'd be exactly the same, where two parents are separated in each of their households, is not realistic. End quote. While this sort of prolonged dispute is commonly associated with family law, lawyer Judith Huttard said it's not the norm. Most cases that go to court settle along the way, she said. It's very easy to think that most cases in family law are horror stories, but that's very misleading, and it tars everyone in family law with the same brush. Adder is a proponent of collaborative practice, 
a process in which couples work with lawyers and other family and financial professionals to resolve conflict through open dialogue. In other words, they talk to each other. Might try that before you get into trouble. All right, continues, and there's not much more here, but I'm going to read you some of the rest. In Dyer's B.C. courtroom, that wasn't all the parents were arguing about. His judgment was particularly critical of their communication strategies. He described the father's, quote, filming of events as proof that they occurred as a defense against the mother's untruthfulness as a heavy-handed measure. Conversely, Dyer decided the mother's habit of directing her ex's emails to her junk folder as sheer nonsense. Dyer ordered the father to stop filming events and the mother to start reading emails. This is not rocket science, the judge wrote, but unhappily compromising is a concept that these two parents seem to struggle with at times. In his judgment, Dyer expressed hope that the pair's ability to compromise might improve now that they were precluded from seeing him. Quote, having to face a new judge who knows nothing about them will add a strong incentive or impetus to their resolving issues outside court, Dyer wrote. The child's emotional well-being, need for stability, having regard to her age and stage of development, absolutely now require, in my view, wrote the judge, that these parents cease in any way using her as an object to be fought over for their own purposes. It's not in A's best interest to have a further round or rounds of contested family litigation over where she'll go to preschool, church, or elementary school. And it wraps up this way. The judge says, There is to be a minimum two years' peace between these two parents during which they can practice their compromising skills, and in the event there is some unresolved issue to dis- in dispute, perhaps seek the assistance of a counselor or a parenting coordinator, he wrote. The litigation process is not to be used by one to either bully or seek control of the other. The dispute between the parents remains unresolved, but at long last, Judge Dyer has won his divorce. Well written. No, here's the paper I was looking for. (laughs) Well written, uh, David Rudin. I'm sorry I didn't get to you earlier. All right, look. J'ai une question. I have a question. At triple eight two two five eight two five five. All right, triple eight two two five eight two five five four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred are the numbers to call. And the question is this: Have you been to family court anywhere in Canada? You have you ever been to family court anywhere in this country? What did you face? Because it's often been said that courts and judges invariably favor the mother and that the father is expendable collateral. Is that true? Is there a case someone can describe which saw the father treated as a second-class participant and treated badly by the judge and court in a child custody support visitation case and... And we've heard many times that wealthy or well-off fathers get away with paying little or almost no child support while a single mother struggles to juggle a job, career, and taking care of a child or children, and the court does nothing about it. So my number is 888 
or 416-870-6400. Do you have an experience in family court in Canada? Someone you know, a family member, have an experience with family court in Canada. And was it a fair experience, or were you or the person in your family you care about stiffed by the system, by the law, by the court, by the judge? 888-225-8255-416-870-6400. Is there an issue about visitation, about um, alimony, not alimony, um, child support? Is there an issue about fairness in Canada's family courts? This judge got out of the case. He's so fed up. Is there, is it, is it? I've heard so many times that it's unfair in Canada's family courts that people get treated badly, particularly men. Particularly men just get run over, get bulldozed by the system. And then single mothers call. I'm going to shut up in a minute. But single mothers call and say, wait a minute. He has all sorts of money. He has businesses. He goes on fabulous vacations. He reports a puny amount of money as income, and the court allows him to pay virtually nothing in the way of child support, doesn't care about his child or children, and I, the mother, am stuck with paying for everything, while this guy just goes on enjoying his life. All right? Are the courts, are the courts and the family courts in this country fair or unfair? Triple A two two five eight two five five. 416-870-6400. We're coming back. Standing up for the little guy for the greater good. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. They tell me that Debbie Wasserman Schultz is going to resign as chair of the Democratic National Committee in uh, the United States. <laughs> it's going to be fun, isn't it? When uh, when Bernie's crew gets uh, gets going, feel the burn. He's wanted her out for months, and now the fix was in, I guess, to get Hillary Clinton in as the nominee. And we had Gloria Allred on the show earlier today, who's um, a delegate for... Hillary Clinton, I wish I had uh, Gloria Aldred's phone number. She called us. Anyway, so exciting developments in the United States are going to get wilder and crazier and the roller coaster ride all the way to the 8th of November. Canada's family courts, ladies and gentlemen, are they fair? Are they unfair? Are they biased toward men or biased toward women? Do you have an experience with family court? How did it leave you? Satisfied or broken and angry? 888 Hundred is the number to call. We're going to start with Sean in Calgary. Hey, Sean, thank you for the call, sir. Hi there, Roy. Uh, I'm glad you're bringing up this issue. You've uh, covered it a few times I've called in. Um, my daughter's been alienated from me for 16 years. I have a court order that says I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to have access once a month, and all they ever end up telling me is go back to court, go back to court, spend more money, spend more money. And then when you don't you don't do that. It, uh, they say, well, you're a bad father. You don't care for your kid. It, like, it's ridiculous. It's just a money grab. 16 years. So how old is your daughter now? 17. She was 
I can do the math. She was one. Yes. How do you? How does a court deny a father participate? Well, actually, the, the, the court didn't, right? It was your your ex who denied you. Correct. Yeah. So the court gave you rights, and your ex said no, and then the Correct. system didn't step up to protect you. No, exactly. And the, the, the other thing that's funny about the family court system is when I was in there, I thought, like I said, I've been in and out for 16 years. There was another lady who, for the 11th time, was accusing uh, some gentleman of being a father of her child, and, and the judge backs it up and makes him go for a, um, you know, a DNA test, makes him pay for it, puts him on the hook on the spot for child support, and then you don't get reimbursed for it when you're proven not to be the father. That like sounds like CRA, doesn't it? <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, so, so in that case, the judge, uh, here's the case, that the, the woman says, this man is the father of my child. There's no test that's taken place, but... There's no, no proof. Whatsoever. No proof. Her, her pointing a finger. But right away, he has to pay child support. Child support, and, you know, he has to pay $900 for a court-ordered DNA test, which I so, also had to do. So, so it's... Can you hold on? Yes, for sure. All right. I want you to hold on a couple of minutes. We will continue. Do you have a story about an experience in family court? Triple A two two five eight two five five four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred are the numbers to call. Do you have an experience in family court in this country that has left you angry or broke or both, fair or unfair? Call me. Let's talk. Big stories and even bigger guests. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Debbie Wasserman Schultz finished as uh, chair of the Democratic National Committee. Gone, finished, resigning. It's over. It's going to get nasty in uh, in Philly with um, Hillary Clinton and Bernie's supporters. Boy, can't wait for this one. All right, family courts in this country. Family courts, how fair or unfair are they? What has your experience been? I read you the story about the, the judge who fired the parents, fired himself, took himself off off the case. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want, and I will not unless it's an emergency and nobody else is available. But we've also heard that fathers are scapegoated in court, family courts, and women have called and said, hold on, it's the men who get the break and the women who are scapegoated. What about the kids? What about the kids? Triple eight two two five, eight two five five four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. What's your experience in family court? What about the kids? Sean is back with us from Calgary. What about the kids? What about your daughter? Seventeen years of age. She hasn't had, from what I understand from you, a relationship with her father for sixteen years now. Even though the court allowed you access to her, to your daughter, but your former spouse or partner decided to shut you out, and there's no recourse for you. No, it's just... Is that just, correct? Is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's correct, and it just seems like it's just all about money. They just want money, money, money. Like, in my mind, I still don't understand why, why the family courts... Uh, I shouldn't have a lawyer. My ex should not have a lawyer. The only person that should have a lawyer in that courtroom is my daughter. And, and I should be considered 50-50 parent from day one. Why do I have to fight for 
for access to my child. Like, it, it's just completely one-sided. Were you accused of any kind of behavior issues with your child? No, I have no criminal record whatsoever. I'm a 22-year sheet metal worker. Um, <laughs> I, I can't salt, see any reason. Salt of the but, earth, salt of the earth, good guy. <laughs> well, I try to be. I mean, I lost both my parents at a very young age, at 24 years old, and my daughter was ripped out of my arms. You know, a year after that. Oh my god! And I haven't, I haven't seen her since. So, what you I, know, I, explain explain something to us, Sean. If the court said, and the court granted you what equal access. Well, that's what essentially what I'd love to have for sure. Like, it's pretty scary what society is going to look like in ten years if if the divorce rate, you know, fifty percent of people are getting divorced and all these all these kids are being raised, you know, with not regular access to their fathers. Yeah, what's what, 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 I'm, what I'm asking you is, how much access did the court did the court say you should have? Well, access once a month. Once a month. Right. And you were able, to, you you had the right to appeal that, but you access had access, you had the right to access to your daughter once a month. So at least she would have had a relationship with her father. Correct. And your ex said no way. Do that's, I have that correctly? That's correct. I, I I don't even know their whereabouts. That was another thing that was put in the court order that she was supposed to give me her address so that we could be uh, you know communicating via email or mail. Um, she didn't even do that. And there's no way for me to even, you know, find out where she lives to send letters for her birthday or for Christmas or oh, man. it's <laughs> all they want me to do is go back to court and spend more money. So who's asking you to spend more money? The system? Uh, yes. I like, I'm in the, obviously in the maintenance enforcement program. So I phone them and say, because that's who you deal with, with your paperwork. Right. And you phone them and say, well, I, I obviously I'm not getting access. And they say, well, you need to go get a lawyer and go back to court. And I've done that once already, and it's just nothing. It's there's no way to enforce it. Well, exactly. I was going to say to you, the lawyer goes to court, makes the same argument the first yeah. lawyer made, except he adds or she adds that you're being denied access, and waits for the judge to say, "Well, what do you want me to do about it?" <laughs> exactly. I don't think there's any repercussions. Like uh, it's just perjury after perjury in court. It's, I mean, you're just lying in front of a judge, and they don't do anything. Yeah, I'll give him access. I'll give him access next month, next month, and it, it just it's always next month. Does your daughter know who you are? Uh, yeah, we, we constantly, you know, I, I, through, via Facebook. Um, again, that's kind of how I keep in touch with her, but then again, I don't know if that's her or her mother on the other end, so. And that's it. That's basically it. You've got a 17-year-old daughter for 16 years. You've had no access because your ex says no. It reminds me of a story of a call I had from a gentleman in uh, Kitchener, Ontario. And he was calling from, we were talking about this very issue, and he was calling from outside a hospital. And he was in tears outside the hospital. He was crying. His daughter was inside the hospital. She was ill. And he couldn't, he couldn't go in to see her. I remember that story. It was just heartbreaking. It is. It's awful. And he had, and he had visitation rights. But somehow his ex had created something i forget what it was now but he couldn't get into the hospital to see his child yeah so it, disturbing it is it's crazy one-sided i've been fighting it for 16 years and i, I don't know when it's all next year it's going to end hopefully she'll want to come see me but again I, I don't know what she's been putting in my daughter's head i don't know has, if she wants ha, anything. has your daughter expressed interest in in seeing you when does she when you contact when you when you're in contact with her on facebook is there Anything like you're not sure whether it's her or or your ex? You've said that. 
Is there ever anything, hey, Dad, I want to see you. I, 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 I need to see you. Because I'm, I have to tell you, my feeling is that a child is going to want to see the parent she's not or he's not seeing. The child is going to, at a certain time in life, at a certain age, say, I want to see them. Yes, and that's what uh, that's what we're hoping for. Um, she hasn't said anything to me like that on Facebook um, as of yet. She's 17. I'm hoping, you know, in the next year or two that she'll come to the realization that I'm out here and I've been looking for her and, and I w- want to have a relationship with her. Do you, so you don't know where she is now? Uh, I do. I don't know the exact address. She's in Whitecourt, Alberta. So it's uh, I'm in Calgary, so it's a six-hour, you know, round-trip drive for me to, to go out there. She may be listening right now or her mother may be listening. They may both be listening. They may hear you. Yeah. They, they very well could be. It's, it's, it's another thing that I, I, I don't understand with the family court. The lawyers will flat out tell you, like you've had a lawyer on your show before that, that has flat out told you, you're guaranteed to win the case if you take the child out of the jurisdiction of where the father's at, which is exactly what she did. Like, why would a lawyer tell somebody that? That's why I say lawyers should not be involved in family court. The only person that should have a lawyer is my daughter. It's a very interesting concept because we had a family court judge on this program, Ontario, family court judge, the only one who's ever done media interviews. And he said it has to be resolved outside of court because nobody comes out of those courts happy. Yeah. Nobody. Correct. Nobody. But I just find it so disturbing, so deeply disturbing that you as a father, it's really, this is, this is tough, that you as a father have missed the entire growing up experience of your child, even though you were granted uh, the monthly is hardly enough, but you were granted a monthly access to see your child, and your ex says no, and the court doesn't do anything to help you. The enforcement authorities provincially tell you to go get another lawyer and go back to court and make the same arguments so you run up against the same roadblock. What you need, uh, Sean, what you need is is for um, you need for somebody to step up, or it should have happened years ago, say, we're going to enforce... We're going to enforce this visitation right, madam. And if you don't allow the father to see the daughter as uh, prescribed by the, the court case, there's either going to be a major fine or you're going to prison. Well, that would that would be equality because I tell you, maintenance enforcement, they don't uh, mess around with, with me. Like, uh, I've been put through the ringer by maintenance enforcement program. Every time my, my child support goes up or down, for some reason they, they fail to take the money out of my accounts. And then... You know, then my driver's license get pulled. Then I have a lien on my house, and so on and so forth. And it's just crippling. And how do you how do you crawl out of that hole, and and continue on putting one foot in front of the other, trying to make you know trying to contribute to society and, and remain a contributing member of society? And all you do is give me it's it's like a no win situation every time. Yeah, yeah. And you and you make your child support payments. I've never missed a child support payment at never, not once. Yeah, you're just, um, you are a living example of a failure of the system, a failure to the father, a failure to the child, and support for a mother who doesn't deserve that support. If you have the right to see your child once a month, that should be enforced. And if it happens to be with a, by, by a, 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 an officer of the law pulling up to the house in a police car and saying, Madam... Either your former spouse or partner, the father of this child, gets to see the child as prescribed by the court, or you're coming with me. 
Correct. I mean, it's not worth the paper it's written on. I mean, the amount of, the amount of time and money and effort that I've spent trying to get access, and it's not worth the paper it's written on. It's been 16 years of me driving back and forth, up, up to Whiteport, back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, you got to drive up the day before, you got to get a hotel room. It's, I mean, it's just, it's endless money. You just want to see your child. Yeah, and and all anybody can do is sit there and point a finger at me and tell me that I'm a I'm a deadbeat dad and it's you know it's my fault. You've never missed a child support payment. I, n- I never have. Never, not once. Sound like a good guy to me, Sean. I try to be as good as I can. I try to keep my like I said, my parents passed away early on in life, so I try to try to you know uh, hold myself you know accountable accountable to them and. Yeah, I, I hear you. I try to do the best I can. So. I hear you. I hear you, man. My dad died when I was twelve. Holy and I, I was yeah. I was alone in the house with him when he died, and I, you know, and so wow. I always remember yeah. the lessons that he taught. I became a bit of a rough character in my mid to late teens. Um, I wasn't somebody you wanted to, you know. That's just, and that's the same with me. Why I went, it was a hard, hard, tough time, and then you get your daughter ripped out of your arms too, and it's 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 tough to keep putting one throat in front of the other when it's a no win situation. I got you, man. I got you. I know what uh, I appreciate you bringing up the topic again, Roy. Okay, all the best to you, Sean. I hope you get to see your daughter soon, man. I, I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm on your side, 100. percent Excellent. Thanks, Roy. Keep, keep up your awareness. Thank you. Thank you, sir. He has the right to see his daughter, doesn't he? Or does somebody have a contrarian point of view? When I say I was a bit of a rough character, I'm, I was, I guess, because uh, see your dad die and move to another country and. Everybody wants to take you on, and you know, I've told you we lived in a homeless shelter. I'm not going to go through the litany, but you grow up uh, like that, you get into your teens, and hey, angry kid. But I remembered what my dad told me. I remembered the lessons my father told me. I remembered the advice he gave me, and I followed it, or tried to, most of my life. I screwed up like other people, but... Enough of that. We're going to come back with two gentlemen who were at the Tragically Hip concert, the first uh, of the uh, of their of their final tour with Gord Downey, and it must have been just an incredible experience, uh, emotional experience too. Stay with us. Don't go away. <laughs> 